0: Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We appreciate you being here, hanging out with you where sports meets that thing called life. Apparently, the world wanted Jason to have his own special on Wake Up Call today, and I'm totally fine with that, or at least one of our software pieces did. So we're happy to be here with you. We thank you for your patience. Jumping on to our other video. It's the beauty of being live in today's technology. So happy to be here. Myself, Dan Tortora, a.k.a. DT on Wake Up Call with Jason Lucas, speaking on UCF, the AAC, which is known as the American Athletic Conference. For those of you that still don't know how good of a conference they are, the Big 12 and conference realignment. So a lot of things to get into with my guy, Jason Lucas. He comes to you from being on both sides of the sports world. He's been in the front office. He's been a media member, and he's here this morning. And he's also a UCF alum. My good guy, how you doing?
1: Good buddy, here in Orlando, where the uh, weather is just as bipolar as your computer software.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> love, love that, love that. By you know, I, you know, you could say that weather's just as bipolar as the people I've dated. You could have, you could have used that too. That would have worked for you. But I mean, it. I re- go there. Okay, well, I did. So, so <laughs> I'll, I'll, i I say tripolar. I think it's a little tripolar. And for those of you saying, Dan, do you care about mental health? Yes, I care about mental health. I practice it myself. It's very important to me. But when you date crazy people, you're supposed to be able to laugh it off. There is a thing in society called a joke. And in 2023, I don't think we should cancel jokes or comedy because I think that they're funny. So just laugh more. I think we need to laugh more. We're, we get butt hurt a lot in society now, Jason.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of butts hurting about LeBron getting swept right now. So, you know.
0: It's very... <laughs> It's very I, true. I mean, I,
1: I saw that there was actually a, a dude shot another dude talking about LeBron and MJ back-to-back. Back.
0: Shot another guy over it?
1: I saw it in the news, oh,
0: my yeah. Oh, Lord. Was that in Florida?
1: I don't think so,
0: thankfully. No Florida man on that one? No, sir. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. Good. Good, because that's that makes me sad when I'm like, wait, did it happen in Florida? I mean, it's sad if it happened in a- anywhere. It's just the the Florida man... Can I tell you the the funniest Florida man story that's happened on my birthday of October 21st fire away. Okay. It's, it's the headline. I didn't read the story. A man was arrested for pleasuring himself with an ice packet in front of a first responder on my birthday in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Yep.
1: That sounds like some Disney stuff there.
0: (laughs) So, I was like, with an ice packet, wouldn't that be counterproductive? but i I just I don't know, but that's 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 what I read. I looked up Florida man on my birthday, and that's the sweet message that I received. so you know the, everybody and that's like the Florida man what is it called the Florida man challenge where you just look up your birthday and you see what happened on your birthday?
1: Oh my gosh, you can only imagine all the stuff that happens here,
0: yeah, you know it's it's but you know that's the thing though is Florida's my second home, so. It makes me sad when there's these crazy stories because I love Florida. You know, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of good about Florida. Y'all get plastic bags and stuff. That's freedom. So you know, I mean, that's. I I think I think you get to celebrate freedom in a lot of ways. One of them with plastic bags. And on the last time that Jason was on the show, he said that he had gold waiting for me, and he had a huge thing of plastic bags. So
1: always
0: got to be a smart ass you know <laughs> <laughs> so it's all good but we're here to talk about UCF uh, uh, July 1st 2023 ironic that that date means so much to me and continues to mean a lot to me because in July 1st 2023 UCF Houston Cincinnati officially go to the Big 12 so does Brigham Young BYU from being independent in football and but they're going for wow. all their, they're going for all their stuff so they all leave and go to the Big 12 and then the American Athletic Conference on July 1st, 2023, will take six teams from Conference USA. Those six teams will be, and I've had them all on the show in their representation and leadership, Rice, UTSA, as well as uh, we have UAB that's going to be moving over, UNC Charlotte, FAU, and North Texas. And then here in my community on July 1st, 2023, I carried the exclusive story and the exclusive series leading up to it of realignment and reclassification. LeMoyne College, who is my first exclusive multimedia marketing partnership with my colleges and universities I work with, the first one that broke the seal on that and had an opportunity of bringing my dream to life, they are moving to Division I on July 1st, 2023 and going to the Northeast Conference of the NEC. So July 1st, 2023, Jaybird Bird, is going to be a big day for a lot of realignment.
1: It's going to be a big day for realignment. It's, it, you just like, as, as soon as you said July 1st, you click something in my head because we're going to have Jess Lee, my country music artist here in Orlando, filming her music video for the song Love Me Ugly that day too. So it's going to be a huge day. Realignment, <laughs> music video shoot, we got it all going on. It's an exciting time with all the realignment going on, trying to even keep up with all of it. Because even with the Big 12 realignment, there's still rumors floating out there about Colorado and Arizona wanting to join the Big 12 as well. Yeah. Man, yeah. wouldn't that be crazy trying to recruit with Deion
0: Sanders and what he's doing out there in Colorado? Well, maybe that's why Deion went. You know, I mean, why go to college? Why go? Why leave where he was and doing so well? and find himself in the middle of the country in Colorado. So, you know, you ask yourself, why do people make decisions? And I'm a firm believer that if you pay attention, things are not made by accident. And in a lot of ways, you know, people make very strategic moves. And those strategic moves are, you know, what's created, what's going to be and what has been. You can blame Oklahoma and Texas because LeMoyne felt that. You know, LeMoyne started looking at realignment and reclassifying to Division I when that move was made by Oklahoma and Texas. The ripple effect was grand. I mean, the ripple effect affected the Pac-12, the Big 12, the SEC, the AAC, I mean, the Conference USA. It affected so many, you know, more than half the country, if not most of the country. And so, I mean, that's that's a crazy thing that, you know, two schools can change so much and my uh, my niece is in the background carly so shout out to carly yeah,
1: She's just saying what's up hope from school today
0: yeah well shout out to carly jason's a good dad for many reasons one of them he taught his children darkwing duck and when uncle dan comes to town and they sing me darkwing duck i looked right at him i remember where i was standing in the backyard i went well you're a good father so cuz <laughs> so i mean that's that's just the truth of it but yeah, I mean, so let's start with UCF because it's your alma mater. It's it's the school that you love dearly and have defended vigorously over the years. So what is it about this move for UCF that you're excited about?
1: I mean, looking at the, the conference slate, seeing, you know, you've got Baylor coming to town, West Virginia coming to town. Those bigger schools <laughs> from the Big 12 versus, you know, the schools from the American. We had the Tulsa's and Tulane's. You know, looking at that conference late and being extra excited that you're going to have those big fan bases in town spending money, all the tourist dollars it's going to bring to town. Yeah. And then, of course, the challenge on the field for Gus Malzon and the players to step up in competition and try to be able to at least have a respectable first year in the conference where nobody's really expecting much.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, this is the thing to see this move for UCF and for Houston and for Cincinnati, you know, hopefully it'll bring some respect that they always deserved. I mean, I think it already has with people saying, oh, we're getting these great teams, like I was saying in the intro. But I hope that they can compete because, you know, Houston won the first ever American Athletic Championship game. I was there at the TDECU Stadium in Houston, Texas, and I quickly realized that Houston's city is – split into three parts and outrageously confusing. I do like Houston. It's just very hard to understand. So I, I, but I was down there for that game when they went up against Temple, you know, Greg Ward Jr. I still have the video on my phone of him kissing the trophy. So, I mean, that, that to me was a really cool moment. And then you look at Cincinnati and well, let me do this in order. So Houston first, then you look at UCF and they go undefeated with Scott Frost in his final season. They don't lose a game they beat auburn who that season just so happened to be the only team in america to beat alabama and georgia the two teams that played in that year's national championship game they didn't just beat auburn they took care of them and of course people made excuses the next day i'm not going to name the guy that said idiocy on on the television but he said oh you know they were tired the guys didn't want to play the game and that's bs okay you're you're at that point in your life okay you've played football on a high level. You're at Auburn. You're in the sec. If, if, you know, (laughs) if I was coaching eight-year-olds and we lost and I said, Oh, it's just because my kids didn't want if the if the well, I would never say that. If the opposing coach said, well, my kids just didn't want to be here. I'd be like, that's ridiculous. If you put your pads on And you come out and you suit up. You play the game. Why would you embarrass yourself on national television? And, of course, it's the first thing that everybody says when they lose when they're poor sports. Well, I wasn't really trying. So, whatever. UCF beat you, Auburn. Deal with it. It's life. Because it's what happened in reality. And then, beyond that, the whole coaching staff is gone. And they bring in Josh Heupel. And Heupel comes in, and he wins every single game. With an entirely new staff. And they go all the way to that bowl game. They lose by eight when they forced UCF ridiculously to go all the way across the country, which was not fair for the seeding that they should have been and made them play in that game. Now, granted, they lost that game. They lost it by a touchdown and a two point conversion, not by 30, not like some people act. But so you look at that, I think it was 25 straight wins, and they didn't get the respect they deserved. Then you fast forward to Cincinnati. Cincinnati deserved to make college football playoff two years in a row. The first year, they didn't give it to them. I covered that team. I've been covering Cincinnati for a decade. Don't understand why they didn't give it to them. I went to the Chick fil A Peach Bowl that year, where Georgia, that team that the following year won a national championship, same coach and a lot of the same players, almost lost to Cincinnati. They needed a few minutes and a field goal late in the game to get out of Atlanta, Georgia alive in that matchup. Then you see the championship aac championship that i was on site for for cincinnati houston in cincinnati at nippert stadium which is an awesome experience and they win that game and i remember sitting everybody had pretty much every single person had left i came out onto the field took some pictures did some stuff went up and i sat on the bleachers and i looked out at the stadium it would have been a perfect 30 for 30 because the picture was just it was just me and the moon and i'm sitting out there. And i thought to myself the committee better do what's right because there's no reason why this team shouldn't make it and i got on a plane and i landed in LaGuardia for my connection flight in just enough time about 15 20 minutes before it came out and i had heard people the night before saying well i know notre dame lost to cincinnati but notre dame still arguably should be in the college and i was like they lost a the head-to-head matchup that's like the easiest thing to say no and that's this is where this is where we see all this ridiculousness of this preferential treatment because people speak with idiocy based on the fact that Notre Dame made a movie called Rudy a long time ago. And great movie. Don't need to use it here. So and Notre Dame isn't that good, folks. They're not. They're really not that good in the past decade. And which one of their quarterbacks is a starter in the NFL? I'll wait. So to finish my point, Cincinnati made it to the college football playoff. The committee agreed with me in all four teams for the first time in forever. Shout out, Rosen, Frozen. And uh, and then, yeah, so here we are. So you got a Houston team that arguably could have been in the college football playoff. You have a UCF team that should have been in at least once. And you have a Cincinnati team that deserved to be in and finally got in. And all three of those teams are going to the Big 12. So when I paint that picture, Jay Bird, what does that make you think of with what the big 12 is getting?
1: Well, obviously the the two top teams who have made the last five, six seasons in the American and Houston was also right in there, right in the, the mix throughout the season. So yeah, it's, it's going to be, you know, bringing a rivalry immediately. Cause Cincinnati and UCF are going to be rivals going forward as well. And yeah, they both should have been in there. Talk about UCF that 2017 season. I mean, the person that was probably the most impressed at UCF beating Auburn was Auburn's head coach, Mr. Gus Malzahn, who made his way to UCF <laughs> just two years, three years later. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, who else do you need to impress but the head coach of the team you're playing against? UCF shows up in that Peach Bowl with 10,000 fans in Atlanta, and the whole our whole side of the stadium was taken up And it was loud Uh, for the Auburn guys out there. It was almost like a home, basically like a home game in Atlanta. So, and for Cincinnati, obviously, you know, you're in that same peach bowl and you had everything going your way against the Georgia team that, you know, was, it was going to be the excuse. It was coming that they didn't want to be there. And then they all of a sudden turn it around and and be Cincinnati in that game. But two of the, two of the best schools that you could have possibly gotten in expansion, you know, I, I think that the ACC or the SEC is going to end up wishing that they had UCF for Cincinnati yeah. before it's all said and done because they are two heavyweights coming into the Big 12.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and let's go to the ACC for a second. They just finished up their spring meetings. The notion, and I, I love how people are talking about it now. I've been talking about this for many months. I've made it clear that I – and this is not – this is not that Florida State, Clemson, or Miami have said this to me. I'm not saying that they've said it or I have insider information. It's it's what I think. And what I think when I put up the uh, realignment map last year and broke it all down, you can go see it on YouTube, I, YouTube.com backslash, what you could call DT to be exact, Clemson, Miami, Florida State, if they can find a way out, I think they're going to go. I think bare minimum Florida State and Clemson go to the SEC. Reason being, the SEC has sixteen schools, right, with Oklahoma and Texas. So yeah. I think they're going to go to twenty. I think they're going to form their own league. And I've said for over two years now that the SEC is going to break away and stand alone because they can, and yeah. and they're going to make the money and they're going to be fine. So I, I think that inside of the SEC, it doesn't make sense for Clemson and Florida State not to come. And I say that because when you already have 16, you're not going to do Florida, Florida State or Clemson, South Carolina games anymore because you don't have the spacing for it. I think you have so many teams. You're, I mean, you look at how many teams they have. If you keep a 12-game schedule, they're not even going to play each other for multiple years, a bunch of these teams. So I think the best way to keep the rivalries alive is to bring those teams in, bring in Florida State and bring in Clemson. And and I see that as a viable thing. Miami did the Big East dirty back in the day. I think if Miami can go, they'll go. The question is two-part, Jason. What do you think about those three teams? Do you agree or disagree that they'll join the SEC? And the second question is, if you're going to keep it even, is there another ACC school that makes sense in the SEC?
1: Yeah, so I mean, obviously, three big football schools that you're wanting to bring in there, um, and I know already with uh, the SEC they're going to nine, nine conference games now. Yeah, and that's affecting their future scheduling. UCF and Florida have a 2024 meeting already on the docket. That's you know, it's already up for debate whether it's even going to happen or not because Florida needs to be able to play their nine, their nine games inside. The conference, um, it's also becoming a deal where Florida and Georgia are like going to be grandfathered into their rivalry, right? Yeah. But they're not even sure if they're going to play the game in Jacksonville going forward because the Jaguars, your boys up there, are going to be having two years of a renovation where they might not even be playing in the state of Florida. So you've got that going on inside the SEC. But obviously, you know the schools that you named are three big football schools that if they come in would obviously give more depth to the conference. But like you're saying, they're not going to be playing the same docket of teams every year. It's going to have to change. And there's going to be two or three years where they're not playing each other.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, to me, I, I just, it makes sense. It makes sense for Clemson. It makes sense for Florida state. It makes sense for a lot of teams. The the team. So I said, is there a team besides that? Do you have another ACC school? Let's say, argument's sake, Clemson, Florida State, Miami go to the SEC. Is there another one that you could see go?
1: Let's see, Louisville.
0: Okay, yeah, for Louisville and Louisville Kentucky, might not
1: be the end of the world.
0: No, no, and I don't know There's if they're basketball,
1: would... good football,
0: right? I think you know people say North Carolina, but. North Carolina without Duke it doesn't make sense it's way too much money. Yeah. yeah. So I would say yeah I mean a Louisville because you would have you would have Louisville Kentucky then you would have Clemson, South Carolina, Florida, Florida State and then Miami would kind of be your outlier without a true rival but you could try to have Miami Florida and have that become more than what it's been? You know, Hurricanes versus Gators. But, you know, just the way that the SEC looks, it makes sense to me that this thing is going to get a little bit bigger before it's all done.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've even seen things where it's, you know, Florida State and UCF moving into the SEC. Yeah. And, you know, talking about having, with Miami as well, having the entire state of Florida in one conference.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah,
1: basically the big four of Florida, all in the SEC.
0: And we're looking at this right now, you know, the, the ACC, they had questions to answer last year. And I asked the commissioner about this, uh, Jim Phillips. I, I asked him about, you know, are you having conversations? What are your thoughts on realignment? And they basically, you know, he basically said that, you know, yes, they're having conversations and nothing was off the table But they had to answer questions last year, and now they have to answer questions again this year because there's uncertainty and there's the notion of he who hesitates is lost. So, you know, you look at the SEC has made a move to bring in Oklahoma and Texas. The Big 12 has made a move to bring in Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and BYU. The Big 10 has made a move to bring in the Pac 12s, USC. And UCLA, which makes no sense. And then, what did you, you
1: say? I said right. We <laughs> like, talked about that before.
0: The American, as I mentioned, bringing in six schools. Uh, you look at the Sun Belt and moves that they've made. You look at the, you know, there's there's a bunch of Conference USA and and, and how they're replenishing themselves yet again. So we've seen so many different moves. But if you look at the autonomy group because Power 5 is, a, is, is not a legislative term, it's just a media thing. If you look at the autonomy group of the Pac-12, the Big 12, the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 10, as I stated, the SEC has added, the Big 10 has added, the Big 12 has added, the ACC and the Pac-12 have done nothing. The Pac-12, in my opinion, is a mover to a way of being dead. The ACC is still alive, and it will always endure with North Carolina and Duke. But let's go to the Pac-12 first. I have a plan, and I've had this plan for over a year. What do you think about the, the state of the Pac-12 right now?
1: Well, it's kind of in shambles with, you, like you said, UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten. And, you know, Colorado and Arizona rumored to be going to the Big 12 already. That takes four of your 12 off the board immediately and four of your best 12 probably off the board. You know, that would just leave like Stanford, Utah, Washington, Washington State and Oregon as like your respectable schools there. Yeah. So it becomes a very small conference if if these things start to happen. And the ACC, like you're saying, they always have questions to answer. Football is the number one moneymaker sport, and Clemson has been it for the ACC. For the last six, seven years of football, you have Clemson just running through that conference every season, Yeah, only like slipping up to your boys at Syracuse here and there. Yeah. And that's it, though. And Clemson still gets in the college football playoff every year based upon their week schedule, but it's power five.
0: Yeah. I mean, and so – you know, when we look at the Pac twelve, like you had mentioned, kind of what what they look like right now, I mean the the Pac twelve, my plan for them, I think makes it makes geographical sense. Now, the Pac twelve, as they move forward, and let's talk let's just strictly talk football, okay? And I don't mean this with any disrespect to the schools, I'm just stating where things are at. Washington, not relevant nationally. Oregon, not relevant nationally most of the time lately. Utah, somewhat relevance. Oregon State, no relevance. Washington State, no relevance. Arizona, no relevance. California, no relevance. Arizona State, no relevance. Stanford, some relevance when they play Notre Dame and want to pretend like that's a ranked game. And Colorado, who makes no sense in the conference because they have no geographical connection to anybody anywhere in that conference so once usc and ucla leave you have oregon and utah and arizona's brand and stanford's brand but you're you're sitting in a conference where you have one two three four five six seven of your 10 remaining schools that are not ranked Or wouldn't be ranked to go into this season, potentially. So I think the Pac-12, and again, it's no disrespect. I'm stating a fact here. Yeah, I would say the same thing about the ACC. They got a ton of football schools that aren't ranked. So the Pac-12 would be Oregon and Utah and maybe Arizona. I think that they should make a mega conference if they somehow found a way to make this mutually beneficial. Now, I don't know how you do this because the PAC-12 would want the power. So what happens to the other commissioner? What happens to their money? What happens to their leadership? Do they just outright sell this car or do they, you know, have some alliance that they, whatever they do, what do they call it and how do they connect it? Because the PAC-12 I would imagine has the bigger ego here, but the Mountain West. Now, if they bond with the Mountain West, they will get Boise State, Utah State, Fresno State, San Diego State that have had some relevancy in bowl games and in winning. Boise State before UCF that we you call UCF like the you know they have that similar connection to Boise State like they couldn't play in the championship but they're called champions. So if the Mountain West were to make this connection, we would have schools in Utah, Wyoming. Colorado would have an actual rival in Colorado State, schools in New Mexico, schools in Nevada, and then you would have Hawaii who who had joined as well. And then you have schools in California. So to me, the Mountain West and the Pac-12 joining together, whatever they call it, would give them a mega conference, a massive conference. Now, some of these schools might decide to run if this Mega deal goes down together, but it would get the Pac-12 who will have ten. It'll get them to if we really break it down here. It would get them to twenty-two, so give them it would get them to twenty faster than the SEC. Not the same quality, but it would give them the numbers.
1: Right, and 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 I even you know I feel like UCLA and USC moving to East Coast football was. Was kind of their way of saying that, you know, it, it's just not as competitive out on the West Coast. And, and we want to be part of that East Coast big money football. And that's kind of how it's becoming in college football now. Like the East Coast pretty much has all the power, all the biggest TV deals, yeah. and all the games that anybody even cares to watch before nine o'clock at night on a Saturday. So when you get out west and you get to those games with UNLV or whoever out west, yeah, we're all in bed. We we, we don't care, we'll we'll see the highlights tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kinda like that's where it's at. And for me, having lived on both coasts, I mean it's it's even like that when you live out there. You don't feel like anybody cares about UNLV or Arizona, Arizona State. Those yeah. don't have the big, huge fan bases that you deal with with the SEC, the ACC, Big 10, Big 12, all that like those are the huge fan bases that you deal with here but out there it's it's kind of chill when it comes to football especially I don't know so much about the other sports but definitely in football the west coast is not where it's at whereas maybe 20 30 years ago you know it was it was more balanced
0: yeah you know and, and that's i mean as we're as we're looking at this I think it's what saves I think it's what saves the West Coast. Because it gives them, you know, they don't have to travel as far. A lot of them are traveling in state. So they don't have to worry about that. But I just I feel like the Pac-12, which every time I say it makes me angry because it's not they're not the Pac-12 anymore. But, you know, they were the Pac-8. Hey, the Pac-10, stop putting numbers on your conference. Did anybody learn about conference realignment? You don't put numbers on your conference anymore, okay? That's why the American Athletic Conference was smart, because they said, we're going to name ourselves American. That means we could have any team in America. We could have Hawaii. We could have whoever we want. We can have UConn to Hawaii, whatever. Now, I know that touched a nerve, because the American was told by UConn, from what I know, From the people that i trust that uconn said we're going to the big east but don't worry we're going to leave our football team here so you guys have something and mike Oresco said uh no you're not you take that and you leave you don't you don't move out of my apartment and keep a box of your stuff here okay you're going to go date somebody else you're going to take that box of that ridiculousness and you're going to bring it with you I mean, you're going to leave a one-to-three win team here? Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. That's so sweet of you. But it's, you know, I mean, and now I'm hearing UConn is a part of realignment. Could UConn go to the SEC? Could it, Listen, you, UConn, UConn is in the Big East for a reason. Because it's great Big East basketball, men's and women's, okay? And I love Big East basketball. And if the Big East could ever – this is the problem. If the Big East back in the day – back in the 80s, okay, take hits from the 80s, right? That's what Diddy said, and does it sound so crazy? So let's go back to the 80s. If we did things the right way, not you and I, because we wouldn't have done this, if the Big East had Penn State and Notre Dame, we might not be talking about any of this realignment because Syracuse would have stayed, Yukon would have stayed, Rutgers would have stayed, Pitt would have stayed. You know, Miami would would be the only one that didn't make a lot of sense. But it would have been such a viable conference if they did that. Now, if Big East could ever have football again, then it would be enticing to people. But where does UConn go? I mean, UConn wants to play good basketball. So outside of being in the Big East, where they just went to, the only other place where I could see them going, where where they could have some relevancy in basketball, is the ACC. I don't see them going to the Big Ten, which is the only other one that I could maybe argue. I don't see them going to the SEC. If we're going for all sports, it doesn't make any sense. If you're going to the Big Ten for all sports, then Rutgers can finally blow off their confetti because there will be a team that sucks more than they do in football if UConn were to go there. But if they, I'm making a lot of friends, but if they, but, but in the ACC, if I'm UConn, there's a chance that I can beat. Some of these Ivy League-ish type of schools like the Dukes and the Syracuses. I mean, Jim Mora Jr. got them to a bowl game as an independent his first year there. So there, it stands to reason if – but, again, this is what the ACC is dealing with. UConn's come up before years ago, and they didn't make a move. And UCF would have made sense in the ACC, and I think it would have given them a good brand because – I'm not saying it because you're on you're on here with me. I think UCF, you said it. UCF and Cincinnati are two of the best brands to get in realignment right now. And UCF going to the ACC would have been a huge, awesome move. UConn not as big, but you would have restored some rivalries and you would have created the fan bases would have been excited and it would have made sense to them and they would show up at the at the ACC tournament. But UCF is a big. Boost. And I'm surprised that the ACC did not go after UCF because it would have aided them in a lot of different areas where they've been outside of Clemson in football, they're insignificant. You said it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much the whole conference is trash in football. I mean, you talk about Georgia Tech. They've even changed the way they played the game at Georgia Tech, and they're still not any good.
0: Well, and the thing <laughs> is, I mean, Florida State is getting better, and I love Mike Norvell, and I think he's wonderful. Syracuse yeah. can't get out of the dungeon, and I have a good relationship with Dino. I have a close relationship with Dino. I don't think it's – it's not working. This is year eight. It doesn't work. So Syracuse is not going anywhere. Duke isn't going anywhere. North Carolina hasn't been going anywhere. Georgia Tech hasn't been going anywhere. Miami has constantly underwhelmed in the last two seasons. And so you say to yourself, two? well, in the two where it, I'd say the last two because there there was hype the last two. Right. And there was expectation the last two. Yes. So, yes. you know, and especially with Crystal ball coming in. But unless, and now they're not going to have divisions. So now it's just one big conference. Outside of Florida State pushing Clemson, I love the ACC. I cover the ACC. I respect the coaches, the student athletes. They know that. I've built relationships for a decade now. I love y'all. I support y'all. Look right in the camera and say that. I love my connections I made with every single school. As an impartial broadcaster, anybody telling you the truth would say to you, The only hope that the ACC has is Clemson. The only fight to Clemson is Florida State. There's, of 14 schools, there's 12 schools that are not going to nationally do anything in recent history. And you can't sell a conference and say it's better than the Pac-12's problems right now when you don't have any significance. The Pac-12 has Oregon and Utah. I would take them over any school in the ACC except Clemson. The Big Ten, they get way too much credit for doing nothing, and yet I don't trust most of the ACC against Ohio State. So I think the Big 12 has some talent to buck up against. Well, right now with the Big 12 and the additions that they've made, I think the Big 12 can beat most of the ACC. I think Oregon and Utah could beat most of the ACC. I think Ohio State could probably beat every team in the ACC, maybe outside of Clemson. So what? And I think the SEC could beat everybody. So what are we saying about the ACC if they're not the weakest conference of the autonomy five? They're the fourth out of five.
1: Yeah, I'd say that's pretty easy to say that four out of five, somewhere in there, you know. And and like you're saying about the SEC, like there will probably be a day that they break off and, and do their own thing Yeah, because they're becoming so large that they're going to get to a point to where they're going to have to go to 10 conference games or 11 conference games or total to conference where games. They're just kind of playing each other at one point.
0: Which I think they will do. I don't, I don't think there's going to be yeah. any room for them to have conference to have non-conference anymore.
1: Yeah. It, it makes it really complicated. And it the whole deal with realignment, I mean, Six, seven years ago, if you were talking about realignment, the reason you were talking about it was not so much the money as the ability to compete and win a national championship. Yeah. Now, when you talk about it, it's all about what the biggest TV deal is going to be. Yeah. How often are we going to be on TV? How often are we going to be on prime time? And how much money is the deal going to be worth? How much more is it than what we're getting now?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. It comes down to money, you know, and and here's the thing that concerns me with the American Athletic Conference. SMU and Memphis are still coming up in these realignment talks. And and I'm going to say this for the 101,997th time. If the American isn't good, then why do coaches get taken from the conference pretty much every year plus student-athletes and now schools? I mean, you're going to take all these coaches, but you're going to claim that the conference isn't that good. And you're going to take the student-athletes to claim the conference isn't good. And then you're going to see these guys go in the NFL draft to become starters in the NFL and you're going to claim that the conference isn't that good. Now you're going to take the three schools that you didn't give any respect to nationally, and you're going to claim that the conference isn't that good. So I don't want to see another school leave Memphis, SMU, anybody, because the American is is known for building, 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 And, and it's been said that they've become a farm system. It's literally been stated that, like, the American Athletic Conference, where there's student athletes, coaches, and and schools have become like a place for the Autonomy 5 group to see the talent that they missed. And I don't want the American to become the G League of the Autonomy group. I want the American to stand alone and, and, and be strong on their own. And I don't want to see SMU leave. Sonny Dykes brought them to prominence. And now he's at TCU and he's doing great things there. I don't want to see these. I mean, SMU was, it wasn't, nobody wanted them and who wanted Memphis and, and, you know, but you see what Penny Hardaway has done and you see what Justin Fuente did and then into Mike Norvell. And I mean, and then you see, I mean, if you look at just Memphis in the NFL, there's numerous Memphis players in the NFL. And at one point, there was four or five starting or in the two deep running backs in the NFL, five different teams, four or five different teams. So just running back. So, I mean, I just don't want to see anything else happen to the American. It's like, you know, you've done enough. And every time they get poached, they they get better. I mean, Luke Fickle wasn't there all the time. Gus Malzahn wasn't there all the time. Josh Heupel, nobody, how many people knew who Josh Heupel was before he went to UCF? And now he's at Tennessee. Right. I mean, how how much credit was given to Justin Fuente and Mike Norvell when they became the coach at Memphis? There's a reality. Tom Herman, who's now at FAU coming into the American, was at Houston before Texas. You know, it's like a lot of these guys owe their household name to the American. And I would appreciate it if people kind of backed off the American and arguably Conference USA as well. And the Americans had to poach from Conference USA every time they've gotten poached. They've gone to Conference USA, which makes me feel terrible because it's like, you feel bad for the American, but then they have to take from somebody else. But that's what the commissioners talk to me about all the time. They're like, Dan, we feel bad that somebody took from us, but then we have to call a friend and we have to take from them. And with all due respect, Conference USA and the American Athletic Conference have been beaten down more than any other conferences in America in realignment. They don't deserve it. But kudos to both of them because they both put together talent. They both do.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's basically been the breeding ground for all the coaches that you know now. You know, 10 years ago, when you had Matt Ruhul in this conference, he's gone on to NFL jobs.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, guys like him, and I mean, a game you went to just this January, break, Tulane is also a name that has to be coming up in some realignment, too, because Tulane is now a good football school after a 46 45 win. There in Dallas in the Cotton Bowl.
0: Well, it makes me concerned because Oklahoma's leaving the Big 12, and Big 12's already taken from the American, and Oklahoma State doesn't have an in-state rival, but Tulsa's there. So it's like, you know what I mean? If you look at the American and you look at the Sun Belt, though, they have followed the same geographical footprint pretty much as the SEC, which I think is very smart. Yeah. The SEC has, has stayed – southeast and like mid-south so they've stayed in this like region toward the bottom and they've stayed in that like texas over and if you look at the american athletic outside of temple they've stayed in that same region and they're adding alabama i mean you look at the american athletic conference they have a presence in texas a lot they have their headquarters in irving now they have a presence in florida they have a presence in louisiana a presence in alabama and, you know, a presence in the Carolinas. So they've done a lot of the same things as the SEC, and the Sun Belt's done that too. And so I think the Sun Belt and the American are going to endure because if you're going to emulate anybody, emulate the SEC when it comes to geographical footprint and the places where you're going to get eyes on your games. I mean, for goodness sakes, you lose Houston, you get Rice, so you keep Houston. You keep Houston's television market, you get Birmingham and Alabama's television market as one of three schools in Bama. You get Charlotte's television market, one of the biggest. I mean, Houston and Charlotte are two of the biggest growing cities in America, and they're going to the American. So you could say what you want to say about the American Athletic Conference, but their strategy is very strong. Their TV markets are very strong. They know how to hire good coaches. And it's it's not a coincidence or a mistake or a happenstance when you lose a coach and you hire another good one. And you lose that coach, you hire another good one. And then this team gets better, and this team gets better, and this team gets better. And oh, we lost those schools? Well, Tulane's better now. Well, Memphis is doing good in basketball, so we can lose Houston. There's something to be said about the fact that no matter how many arms you cut off the American Athletic Conference, it's like an octopus. It just keeps growing tentacles. And I respect the American for what they're doing because it's not a coincidence when you're constantly successful. Think about it. How many times, Jay? Have they poached the American every year in some way? And the American Athletic Conference has been relevant almost every single year.
1: Totally relevant. And in fact, I mean, I I think that a lot of people forget that there was a point in realignment where Texas and Oklahoma were leaving the Big 12. And it was right when the American had moved the offices across the street from the Big 12 offices in Texas, where everybody was like, is the American about to absorb the Big 12? And it darn near happened. And it was like almost a last-minute ditch effort when it was announced that UCF was going to cross over with Cincinnati and everything else it was going to go the other direction from what everybody thought. But the American was this close to absorbing the Big 12.
0: And officially being put in that power conversation that they've deserved to be in for so long. And I talked about it. I said that. I mean, you and I spoke about it, that the American was in a prime place to absorb the remaining schools of the Big... Well, I had a plan of how the Big 12 would break and disperse. And the American was going to get like four or five of them. And just what that would mean and the, more of a footprint in Texas and different things that they could do with it. But I had made the argument of what it was going to look like. And if I go back to it, I had going to the American. I had TCU, who was originally supposed to go there when they were the Big East. So I had TCU going there. I had Texas Tech, Baylor, and who was my other team? I had those three, and then I had. Did I have no? I didn't stay
1: too?
0: So, now, so what I had was I had in the pack. So I looked at the Pac-12. I had Iowa State going to the Big Ten. I had West Virginia going to the ACC. I had Kansas going to the ACC or the Pac-12. And then I had Baylor, Texas Tech, and TCU going to the American. And then Kansas State potentially going wherever Kansas went, or they could make a play for them. And then I had kind of an open slate for Oklahoma State because I don't... Oh, no. I I mean, you could argue, argue Oklahoma State because they've had good games against Tulsa. So, yeah. But I had TCU... Baylor and Texas Tech going to the American Athletic Conference. Because I was going to get them to 14 no matter what, based on my calculations. And they ended up getting to 14. So I mean, I was going to get them to 12, if not 14. But yeah, I mean, I still think the Americans in a good spot right now. And I and they may not be done. They may not be done, Jay. And so there's something to be said about that. But how do you feel about UCF? I mean How do you leave the American? Do you respect the American and the decade that was there? And what do you think about the Big 12 move? Like, bring me into your thoughts on UCF AAC, UCF Big 12.
1: Yeah, I think definitely the thought around UCF is that the American years were proving ground. It was, you know, it was our chance to really show what we could do in a higher level of football than what Conference USA was offering us. We come up in and we win the conference the very first season, go upset a Louisville team that was ranked number six with Teddy Bridgewater playing quarterback on the road on a Friday night back in 2013.
2: Yeah.
1: Blake Bortles having a big game up there. That was like the proving ground. That was our first, you know, hey, we really showed what we could do. We went and played Baylor in the bowl game in, in uh, Arizona, ended up winning the Fiesta Bowl that year. And, you know, throughout the years, I mean, 2017 going undefeated, went in the Peach Bowl, 2018 undefeated, conference champs again for a fourth time. So when you win the conference that many times, I mean, it kind of became, how many times can we do this? And it's just kind (laughs) of the same thing. We did need to look up again and see where we could go. And now going into the Big 12, it's obviously the the competition steps up. It's going to be harder. And it's gonna be just like that first year going into the American where we didn't expect much. And hey, we got shocked. I mean, we won the whole damn thing and went twelve and one. So if we'd be able to do that this season, that'd be amazing. But nobody's expecting it. Everybody's expecting that six and six regular season, make a bowl game, whatever it may be, move on to next year. But you could be surprised because UCF has an experienced quarterback in John Rice Plumley. Yeah, two NFL wide receivers in Baker and Hudson on the outside. The the only question about the UCF offense has to be the offensive line because you lost three starters.
0: Yeah. You know, and I mean, so I mean, UCF like you said, what they've done, they've more than proven themselves and now they have the opportunity to go to the Big 12 and show what they could show. Now the Big 12 representation-wise this is their first school that they're going to have in Florida, so that gives them something in and of itself. And if they're smart about it, you're going to promote the heck out of that because we know Big Twelve is like Texas country, Texas Oklahoma country. So you go into Florida, they're going to really want to promote UCF and and make it a point for that. And we'll see what it looks like now because you got another Texas school in Houston, and at the same time you have Florida with UCF and you have Ohio with Cincinnati and just what they're going to do to promote Cincinnati and UCF and how they're going to really build upon that history and how many times I'm going to call BS when they talk about we're bringing in one team that's a that made the college football playoff and another team that should have we're bringing in a national champion in UCF and I'm going to go oh, oh wait what <laughs> so we'll see when that happens but it's cuz that's how the world works but looking at The ACC. I want to go back to them for a second because I'm really concerned about this, Jay. And I'm, like I said, covered them for a decade. You know, coming in 2013. Now it's 2023. So 10 years for me here. 10 years for me with the American. uh, With with a lot of work that I've done. Now we're looking at this right now, to see. uh, Apparently, allegedly, there's seven ACC schools. Now they're led allegedly by Clemson and Florida State. But as we look at this, the they're called The Magnificent Seven, which is a movie on Netflix. And the schools that we're looking at here are Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. Now, for those of you that don't know this, Virginia Tech used to be a Big East school. So Virginia Tech's already left before. Miami's already left before. And you know, the ACC wasn't, I mean, it looked different. It used to have South Carolina and whatnot in it. So as we look at this, the ACC would be owed 120 million for any school to exit the conference. Who do I think can cover that? Miami, Clemson, Florida state. So as of right now, not looking at anybody's numbers, this is just me spitballing here. I would say that those teams could cover it. Now, under the grant of rights this is the big thing the whole acc grant of rights now you think if you have a contract it means something but as i've learned as a businessman sometimes a contract to some people means absolutely nothing because there's contracts lying out there right now people that owe me you don't even want to know Jay Bird. and so you don't even want to know and i could put them on blast right now but i'm trying to be nice about it because you know they said if you ain't got something nice to say about somebody you don't say anything at all but You know, I'm not having a cup of coffee in a certain place, if you feel me. So under the grant of rights, under the grant of rights, the ACC would still own a team's broadcasting rights for home games through 2036, even if the school paid the nine-figure exit fee. So now if the group of seven can get one more member on board to form a majority, the grant of rights could potentially be dissolved. This was a little wrinkle that I didn't know about before. So if they can get eight of the 14 schools, now Notre Dame's in for everything but football, so if we're just talking football, if they can get eight of 14 to say deuces, there's a chance that they could dissolve the grant of right. Now, I didn't know this. I thought the grant of rights is done from now until 2036 now. So looking at these spring meetings, this is a big question mark. So if we go to the ACC, And we say Clemson, Florida State, NC State, North Carolina, Miami, Virginia, Virginia Tech, the seven that they said. Another school that we could look at leaving would be Louisville, which is what you mentioned. Because I don't think I don't think Louisville has ever been their identity, and they came a year after Syracuse, so they're eight, nine, going into nine-year identity with the ACC, I don't think anybody considers them an ACC school. So I think if they left, it wouldn't feel strange because I don't know if they've ever fit in. Syracuse has never fit in, for goodness sakes. So, I mean, could we see a day, and I'm asking you this honestly because you and I have been in the sports world for a long time, could we see the ACC Being in a situation that, ironically, I said last year, he who hesitates is lost, as I had said earlier. Could we see the ACC somehow die or be forced to either combine with somebody or or run and find a bunch of teams? Could we see the ACC become a shell of what it is? 100%.
1: Yeah. You could see it happen because what's even out of the realm of possibilities at this point with how big the SEC has gotten, yeah, and how big it wants to get, yeah, and how many of those schools are right in SEC country, yeah, it could 100% happen. Do you hope it happens? No, yeah, because the ACC is still one of the best basketball conferences in the country every season, yeah, in fact. It's a much better basketball conference and baseball conference than it is a football conference.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I got to give a shout out to the American too. Their baseball is not too shabby either. So
1: no, we we got the tournament going right now over in uh, Sarasota, Tampa area. Yeah, UCF with a win yesterday.
0: East Carolina's been pretty darn in good. East
1: Carolina set by USF setting up. We're on I four.
0: Yeah. So and that's it's tough because East we're Carolina is set up for tomorrow. East Carolina's had some good stuff. Football's gotten better. Women's basketball won their tournament. East Carolina, you know, did well here on the diamond this year. But let' going to the ACC, Virginia Tech Athletic Director Whit Babcock said this about the seven school. Now, so let's see here. So Uh, The seven schools were Virginia Tech, Virginia, Florida State, Clemson, Miami, North Carolina, NC State. So the athletic director had told the Richmond Times Dispatch that that he named the seven schools. And he said, quote, I would classify it as a number of conversations, usually in small groups on interpretations of grant of rights, of bylaws of the league, of options that may be out there. But as you know, the grant of rights has been looked uh, looked at a lot of times by a lot of people, end quote. Now, he said the conversations weren't as organized as many interpreted and that several discussions, including subsets of the seven, not all seven together. So he said, I quote, I think it was less than ideal that it came out, but it's been a catalyst for some real conversation and maybe getting to things a little faster that we've been working on as the ACC, end quote. So, I mean, you got you got an athletic director speaking publicly about these meetings and naming the seven schools i mean jay you and i know when people spill things out into the public it's typically because they want them to get done a little bit faster
1: yeah or they're just upset about what had just happened <laughs> so they just kind of come out and say things and yeah and hope it ends in their favor Uh but like i said man anything can happen with this is It's just ongoing, and if the money is right to go somewhere else, I mean, it's it's like I was saying, it's not about winning the national championship anymore. It's about, well, how much is ESPN going to give us if we move?
0: Yeah, and they say, like, oh, these, these TV stations haven't been involved in the talks, and I'm like, well, that's total BS. Because with all, I mean, why in the heck would the Big Ten look at USC and UCLA? They could have looked in a plenty, plenty of other areas. 100%,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're just looking into the TV market time zone. Yeah, the ability to play all day versus playing just you know in that twelve o'clock slot that Big Ten games are mostly in.
0: And we're also looking at this right now uh, that uh, to some people, and again, these are not my sources, so that's why I always say allegedly, and I do my air quotes because if it does, if I ever say sources, they're mine. They've come from a direct connection. And I trust it or else I wouldn't say it. It doesn't mean that they're always 100% accurate or that things can't change on a dime, but they're my sources. I say alleged when they're not mine. So allegedly, to some, Louisville has joined as the eighth, the one that we said would make the most sense. They have allegedly, within the past few days, joined to potentially overthrow this ACC government. So I mean this this is I didn't think we would be in this world. I didn't think we would be in a world where the ACC could die. I remember looking at the ACC when Syracuse wasn't in it thinking like it's untouchable and now yeah. they're getting they're getting touched. So that's right, I said it. So <laughs> but, but no, I mean I I I I feel that and they've also moved their uh, media days for kickoff. So this year it's three days. It's over a three-day period for the teams. And I wonder how this isn't going to be the topic of conversation because, like I said, it's a question that I asked in a room full of people last year at the ACC in Charlotte. And this is the thing that bothers me about anything, people, relationships, business, personal, whatever. If I have a question a year ago and I ask it, and you don't know, give me an answer of where you're going. And a year later, I have the same question. That makes me very not feeling great about what you've done in 365 days. Because the same questions that I had and probably many others had for the ACC, I think they're going to be asked again. Like, what are you doing? What's the plan? Yeah. So and who, all they're
1: ever going to say is, only time will tell. You know, who's, where's, where's the money coming from?
0: Who dies first? The Pac-12 or the ACC? Oh, Pac-12. I thought they would have been dead. The ACC
1: will hang on a little longer.
0: Yeah. So there's going to be how many? So there's going to be what? The SEC, the Big Ten. The Big Ten is such football trash. It's not that they're not individually good, but they suck in the college football playoff. Michigan is garbage. Ohio State also. Now, individually, draft them. Draft them all. Ohio State constantly sending guys in. I'm not talking about talent. I'm talking about unfair advantage in the ranking system, AP coaches and college football playoff committee, unfair ranking system because they never hold their weight. And in the NCAA tournament, you want to take eight to nine Big Ten schools the last two years, and they suck. And I would say that about any conference, if you got an unfair advantage. I mean, you could have given spots to other people instead of wasting spots. With Maryland, really? I mean, you're taking 13 lost teams from the Big Ten because the narrative at the beginning of the year was that the Big Ten was good. And once you have that narrative, the narrative doesn't go away. So it's like, the, you know, the Big Ten's good, and that was it. So you got 11 to 13 lost teams. There was a time where an 11-loss to 13-loss, 10-loss team wasn't going to make the tournament. If you were Syracuse and you, had, and you were – 20 and 10 or 19 and 11, there was a really good shot. You weren't going to make the NCAA tournament. And, and now I'm watching 11 to 13 loss garbage teams that are doing nothing, make it in the big 10. They get bumped out. There was nobody in the big 10 in the final four. There was nobody in the big 10 in the elite eight. There was nobody in the, I mean, there's what, what is the point of having, and the only team that was alive was, was Michigan state. Why? Because Tom is, was a friggin' genius and he wins at least one game. Usually. So, I mean, the Big 10, this is what I'm saying, this is my point. The SEC is way up here. The Big 10 thinks that they're almost there with USC and UCLA, which is funny. And then the big the Big 12, I would rather watch the Big 12 than watch the watch the Big 10 in football because outside of Ohio State and maybe Michigan, but they play they don't play anybody. All year long, they don't play anybody. They say the American doesn't play ranked teams. Well, the only reason why the teams are ranked inside of the Big Ten is because you got <laughs> you got coaches and media people sucking off the tee. I mean, that's that's the only reason. They're, it's not because they're good. They're not good. So you know, I mean, to me, I think that I think the Big Ten thinks that wherever the SEC goes, they're going to go with them. And I think the best thing for sports is for the SEC, if they are going to go, go alone. And then it's not the best thing for sports, but the best thing for the SEC is to go alone because they're going to be playing the Big Ten feeling like they're dragging their you know younger b- brother across a desert with no water. I don't know. What are your thoughts on the Big Ten? <laughs> so. I mean,
1: my, my thoughts about the sport of college basketball in general right now, It's, you know, the athlete's coming out of high school and he just wants to know where he's going to go spend one year. Yeah. You know, and and it's about where the money's at, where I can get the most money to go for my one year. And then I'm gone. So college basketball in general, like when you bring up the Big East and how Big East basketball was in the 80s. And you talk about, you know, some of the powerhouse matchups back then. Yeah. You know, Georgetown and Boston College. And all these schools that were just amazing, Syracuse, of course. Some of those heavyweight matchups you used to get, you don't get those anymore. You don't get the guy who's been there for three and four years. And you can't develop those rivalries between the players. It's not like it was. So college basketball in general is almost like a, do you even take that into consideration with realignment? Like how good is their basketball team? Well, it depends on the year and how much money they're willing to spend on the high school kids that year.
0: Yeah, Well that, that one
1: and done guy because that's all that's going to happen.
0: Right, and I mean, with but so when you look at the Big Ten, how do you feel about the amount of opportunity that has been granted to them? Has it come from body of work, or has it come from just the right people having the right connections to the Big Ten?
1: Well, shit, I could rest my case in in one little thing. Hey, it's the covid year. We're 5 and 0. We didn't start our season until like the middle of October. But we're 5 and 0. Please put us in the college football playoff. Why would we not be in there? We're 5 and 0.
0: And there was a time and to go off of and your got it. Right. And, and to go off your point 6 weeks into the season. They decided they were going to play the Big Ten, after they said it was all about health and safety, BS. And so I always liken it to, like, the Big Ten and the Pac-12. We're like, we're not going to go to the party because we don't want to drink. And you know what? We're good kids. Oh, they got a kegger. Oh, they're doing upside-down stuff. They got an ice fountain? We got to go to the party. That's what. That's how I take how they reacted to it. It was like, we're not going to the party because if we don't go, no one's going to show up. Oh, bro, if we don't go, we're going to be the only people that don't show up. So they went and they played and they were not ranked. Go back in history, folks. Do some research. God forbid. I, I, some media people that just like just narrative, narrative, narrative. Just do some research or you know what? Do what you normally do. I'll do the research and then you can use it as your own. So but do the research and look at it. The Big Ten, six weeks into the season. Four, six weeks in the season, when they decided they were going to play, they had ranked teams in the top 25 with a record of 0-0. Zero and zero. Ohio yeah, State was in the top eight. They, they were in the top eight. Michigan was in. They were in. What would you say?
1: Sitting at home? They right.
0: Even so they were in. Okay, so I'm going to go in my more egregious party file that year. If people didn't believe me the Big Ten got an unfair advantage, riddle me this. Jay's point of being 5-0, you were supposed to play, what, eight games? They didn't play three of their games. They could not qualify for the Big Ten championship, and the Big Ten changed the rules after making them. And then they allegedly waited in the college football playoff for the Ohio State players to become COVID-free before they played their game because they wanted them to be at full tilt. So there's there's those things. Then there's the being ranked when you're not playing a game. But probably the worst thing that could have happened that entire season to show that the Big Ten gets an unfair advantage is there was a week where UCF played, I believe, a tough game. And Michigan was sitting at home. They were 0-0. Zero and zero. The poll came out the next week. Michigan went up four spots at 0-0. Zero and zero. Explain to me how a team can't crack the top 10 with UCF but Michigan can go up four spots in the top 25 not playing a game.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like we rest our case on that one because, yeah, they, they get total preferential treatment, total power five bias. Actually, I heard something. I was going to say it earlier about Mike Oresco, he, he got rid of the P6.
0: Oh, yeah, he did. He told they me They used to
1: always have on their logos. No more P6 in the American.
0: No, he's changing it to a power-type title. We talked about it on our last show. It's going to have a power theme, but there's no more six on it. Because he said, he goes, let's be honest, there's like a power two right now. But so, Jay, rank them. Rank them, okay? From from top to however far you want to go, because there's 10 FBS conferences. Rank for me college football FBS.
1: Well, my chair almost just broke over here. Holy crap. Okay. Um, well, I mean, you got to put the SEC at the top. Right. I mean, if we're talking football.
0: Yeah. Strictly football.
1: SEC's, SEC is at the top. You could say Big 12 or Big 10 would be second. ACC is going to be fourth by itself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'd say even with the losses, the American is still not going to be the easiest. It's going to be a five. Yeah. Pack 12, maybe six.
0: And then you go from there. I mean, I would. And, s- then,
1: and then from there, Mountain West, maybe.
0: Yeah. I could agree with that.
1: Conference USA, Sunbelt. And then the MAC. Yeah. And then, I mean, the MAC is one of those things, and I'll just throw this out there. When UCF used to play against Marshall every year, I always felt like Marshall was going to go with us wherever we went. Yeah. They went with us to Conference USA, but then after that, it's like Marshall fell off the map.
0: Yeah. And now, Mar- now Marshall's in the Sun Belt. So.
1: And I felt the same about East Carolina, too, and, and Memphis.
0: Yeah, I mean, I so this is how I would do it. It's not far off of yours. SEC won by – many miles, then I would say I'd say the, the big 12 has more teams because the the big 10, not more numbers wise, they have more, by the way, just call it the big 14 or whatever the hell you're going to do with it. Yeah. But here's my thing, Nebraska, you know, Purdue, yeah. Rutgers. Indiana, Michigan State, Maryland, you know Penn State. Do they really play a tough schedule? Not recently. Does Ohio State play a tough schedule? Not this is my thing. I know I'm pissing off fans that have been fans for 115 years. I get it. Okay, I understand. You've been fans forever. I understand. But tell me what Penn State's doing today. It's 2023. What are they doing right now? What is Ohio State doing right now? What is Michigan doing right now? They're sending guys to the NFL. Yes, they are. And I'd said individually talented but what is ohio state and penn state doing on the field right now that didn't happen in 1970 right i'm not talking about that i'm not i'm talking about right yeah. now Not talking about the 80s i'm not talking about the 90s and talking, i'm talking about right now right now that's what the seeding should be that's what rankings should be every year if not then don't call it the 2023 rankings call it the 1975 through 2023 rankings and then you yeah. can put them wherever you want to put them but So I would say Big 12 with the additions, then Big 10. Then I would put the ACC, so kind of like yours. So I think it's like SEC right now, I would say Big 12, then Big 10, close. Then ACC, farther away. Then I would say the American, I agree with you. Then I would say the Pac-12. Then I would say the Mountain West. Then I would say the Sun Belt. And then I would say between the Mac and Conference USA, I would say uh, just because Conference USA is like almost completely, I mean, they got to start from scratch again. Not from scratch, scratch, but I mean, a lot of it. I would say maybe I would flip the mid-American and put the Mac above Conference USA just because I don't know what they're going to look like. I mean, they have Middle Tennessee. They have Western Kentucky. They have UTEP, Florida International, Louisiana Tech returning. So I'd probably put them last. But, yeah, I mean, the American, you got Tulane, SMU, East Carolina's gotten better. Memphis will find their way. You have UTSA, who I like, and what they're doing, and their coach. Yeah. Jeff Trailer.
1: That's a fast-growing program at UTSA. Yeah,
0: you got that. And then you have FAU with Tom Herman. You have UAB. The best thing that ever happened to them is them giving themselves their own death penalty.
1: Oh, my gosh, yeah. And they got back in a bowl game already.
0: I said maybe Syracuse should just take a year off, and then we'll be awesome. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Man, yeah, you know, somewhere there you mentioned Nebraska, and it just made me think. Did they ruin Scott Frost forever for his college football career? Like, he was probably the, the hottest commodity after that 12-0 run with UCF. I told you
0: before. he shouldn't go, Jay. He was building something in Orlando.
1: Why on earth?
0: Alma I mean, mater. I know he, it's his alma mater.
1: I know he got to go spend two years with his father before he passed away, but yeah. did they ruin him for – like, will anybody hire him again?
0: This is the thing, though. Who, What no mind thinks that anybody's going to win in Nebraska right now? You know what I mean? There's certain, there's certain schools where you kind of, like, forgive the, like, Nebraska. Used to be Arkansas, but they're better now. Nebraska, Syracuse, Duke, UConn. There's certain schools where, like, are you really going to say it's the coach's fault when you've been losing for a very long time?
1: No, it's, definitely not saying it was his fault. Just saying. Well, like, oh, no, I'm not saying
0: you and I. It. I'm saying why Why is Scott Frost untouchable right now?
1: I don't know. I mean, those four years he was at Nebraska, they were awful. They were unwatchable football. They'd, oh, yeah. they'd hang in the game for a quarter, a quarter and a half, and then they couldn't win.
0: Scott Frost, man. It's really sad. It's just sad, you know, because I still remember that day. I still remember that yeah. day. It was, it was the, it was one of, the, it might be arguably the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in sports. I'm at UCF. I'm watching UCF Memphis in the championship game.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> so yeah, because I saw you on the way in. So we're at the game. Then you and your dad leave. I'm there working. So I go into the media room. I see Scott Frost and the two players. I interview Scott. He's pink in the face the whole time, and he's crying like he's bawling, like somebody died bawling. And I go upstairs within an hour, maybe 45 minutes. yeah, They come into the press box, and they say, hey – Uh, Scott Frost has left, and we have an open candidacy for the next head coach. We'll be doing a press conference downstairs in a few minutes. My stomach was like, what? So this arena, live and crazy, win a championship. Scott's the coach. Scott cries. I go upstairs. Danny White says we're looking for another guy. I come downstairs. We do a press conference in the same room Scott was just in an hour ago. I like that feeling like I'm going to throw up because it was so weird. And then we talk about the next head coach and what they're looking for. And then Danny White leaves shortly after. I'm like, this is such a weird, like if, if, if I didn't know that sports was a business, that window of an hour taught me that.
1: Yeah. I mean, and even after that, you know, when when Danny White went to Tennessee and took Josh Heupel with them, like the UCF coaching position was very unsettled during all that success that was going on. Yeah, like it's it's really hard to keep your recruits and and do everything you wanted to do. And UCF, I mean, to the credit of the seniors on the 2018 team, they they stayed accountable to to the new regime. Yeah, and made just made a way to go undefeated again the next season with pretty much the same nucleus of players.
0: It was just so weird, like, that whole couple hours, and then and then Danny smiling, saying, we're going to find our guy, and then he finds Josh Heupel, and then, like you said, Danny leaves with him in this, like, package deal that Tennessee gets an AD and a head coach for football, and now people are like, oh, Josh Heupel, he's pretty – this is the thing that's crazy, though. As good as Tennessee was, and they tripped up it toward the end of the season or else I think they would have been in the college football playoff. As good as Tennessee was, people like Josh Heupel, I think, more now. When, when he was at UCF, you weren't even sold on him, even when they went undefeated. I remember talking to you about it for a couple of years, and it never felt like you were warm and fuzzy with him. And now Tennessee is like, oh, my gosh, this guy almost got us to the college football playoff.
1: UCF fans wanted Josh Heifel fired right up until when he left. True story. We were we were like, oh <laughs> bye, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> which
0: is which is crazy to think about what Tennessee did with him.
1: Because it, it he had a huge buyout that we would have had to pay. So not only did we not have to pay his buyout, but you bring in Gus Malzon, who had just gotten twenty-one million dollars from Auburn yeah. in his buyout for them to fire him. We get him at a discount the first couple of years. Like I think they've they've upped him now, but the first couple of years he was here, they had him at a discount. Yeah, because of Auburn. So UCF, like I said, it was just so much unrest at the coaching position. It, we we pray that Gus is like true to his word because he's he's the one that came in and said in his introductory press conference. Somebody just goes to UCF and builds that sucker the right way. And when you look around at the recruits that he's got, of course, you know, one of the things I do is cover high school games on Friday nights. Yeah. A good third of that UCF team is built up of kids that I've been covering since 2018, 2019, since they were freshmen in high school. You know, Timmy McLean's the backup quarterback now. Timmy McClain was at Seminole High School, won the state championship with Jimmy Horn, who was Deion Sanders, one of the first kids he recruited to Colorado. And he was the first player to earn his name on his jersey, on his practice jersey. So I've covered a lot of these kids. Pretty much most of the defense, the Henderson Twins, Cam Moore, all these kids. John Walker that's coming in now. Another one I've covered from Apopka. These guys are, you know, big names, big local names. Yeah. Hometown hero guys that he's brought in. And that's what a lot of the nucleus is made of, is them and then transfer portal players.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, you look at, you know, we go back to Frost and all that. It's so weird how tiny my world is. So I met Matt Rule at Temple Then he went to Baylor Then he went to the Carolina Panthers. Now he's at Nebraska. Like it's, it's so, it's so weird. Just how small this stuff is and how it comes, how it all comes back. I mean, Paul Chris too feel bad for paul christ i had him when he was at pittsburgh before he went to wisconsin Mm -hmm. so it's funny though because they were talking about scott frost as like the miami hurricanes offensive coordinator there was there was reports out about that before like in late january it's crazy
1: I just think that he was he was in such a spot where he was just you know stressed out about it, and
2: yeah.
0: Nebraska
1: put so much pressure on him to go there, yeah, as well as his parents put pressure on him to go there, that it you know it made him do something that really was almost like a career suicide, because you go there and you don't win in any kind of way and weren't even really competitive. But who would have thought? Them, like I said, like a quarter and a half of your
0: games. Yeah, who would have thought they would have won? I mean. If he had stayed in Orlando, just think about what UCF could be. Like, not that Gus Malzahn's not going to do a good thing. But if we, if, if Scott Frost had stayed there, would they say, like, when he got down to UCF, he had 100 kids on campus, like, immediately? Yeah. You know?
1: Well, it was one of the most exciting things. I mean, from the UCF fan perspective, I lived in Naples, three, three and a half, four hours away when we had the first spring game with Scott Frost, I drove my butt up here. I wanted to see that. Yeah, And seeing them run that no huddle and how fast it was. And we didn't even have Mackenzie Milton yet. So it was like Justin Holman was running the offense 2016. It was before, you know, you saw the Adrian Killins and Otis Anderson who came in the next season. All those exciting players that came. Traquan Smith was like, the bright spot of the zero and twelve UCF team, the last O'Leary team.
0: Yeah, it's 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 funny though, and it's in you know we talk about kind of in closing here the juxtaposition of when someone's in the American <clears throat> versus when they're in, you know the the autonomy five group, and it was like you said to me that one year when they said like top returning quarterbacks, and Dylan Gabriel for UCF wasn't on the sheet, and then he goes Where to. And yeah, and then it's like, and then he goes to Oklahoma, and everybody's like, "Hey, this guy Dylan Graver," and I'm like, "What the hell is going on right now?" If you look at the
1: list right now of Big Twelve quarterbacks, but not just Big Twelve quarterbacks, returning quarterbacks in the country, his name is in the top two or three in the country, and the top of the Big Twelve list.
0: Three thousand one hundred sixty-eight yards, twenty-five touchdowns, six interceptions in the Big Twelve. So I guess he was okay in the American too.
1: Yeah, I mean, hell of an arm. He he can move around the pocket. He can run when he needs to.
0: So he's, he's at UCF. A
1: great NFL talent too.
0: Yeah. So he's at UCF, and he's not he's not written by the media as top returning quarterback talent. He spends one year in the Big Twelve in Oklahoma, and he's a top returning quarterback talent. I mean that. It was the year I was
1: upset about. That it was the COVID year. There were Big Ten quarterbacks on there. Yeah. And they weren't
0: playing. <laughs> Jason and I, I'm not going to say we told you so. Just look at our track record in the time that we've spoken of the things that we've said and what's happening. Because we speak from a place of logic, rationale and calling out BS. That's all it is. It's telling the truth and calling out what's there. Dylan Gabriel not cared about by the nation when at UCF. 1 year at Oklahoma, top returning quarterback. But at UCF wasn't even on the list. Not top, just on the list. Of 20, 10, something. So it's it's funny. It's very funny. These coaches, oh, Luke Fickle, look at what they're getting in Wisconsin. He was the coach at Cincinnati. He did a, th- he did a couple things there. He had one losing season, four and eight first yeah. year. Then he won, one one, just kept winning, and should have been in the college football playoff twice, got in once. And Nick Saban, Alabama, arguably the greatest college football coach of all time. What did he say to me when I interviewed him after that game? There's no doubt in my mind that that team on the other sideline deserved to be here in the college football playoff. So maybe when Nick Saban says it, people listen. I mean, Saban said. You know. So with that being said, Jay Bird, we've talked UCF, Big Twelve, really every conference in the FBS in conference realignment. So my final word from you: We're both going to do this, feet to the fire, because we did conferences and where we think they are. Feet to the fire pick a school the next school to announce that they're leaving for another conference is blank pick a school oh gosh.
2: Uh,
0: of of the autonomy group
1: of the okay so of the existing power five
0: yeah I won't call it that but yes
2: <laughs>
0: of the power two plus everybody else yeah. Power one and a half, I'll say. Actually, no, if I count the Big 12, I would say power two. I'm just not putting Big 10. Feet to the
1: fire. Mother. (laughs) You know what I think is going to happen is Colorado and Arizona are going to come to the Big 12.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. From the Pac 12. So for argument's sake, that's your feet to the fire. My. From what I've been hearing. Yeah. I told you my theory that I think the grant, now I don't know exactly how the grant rights can be broken or if it can be broken. They said, allegedly, if they have eight, they can overthrow it, which I just read for the first time ever this morning. But there's this backdoor thing that I talked about months ago that the ACC was allegedly looking with the PAC 12 to join. having have an alliance. Mm -hmm. And I thought if they opened up their TV deal, in order for them to work together, if they had to open up the deal, that the SEC was just waiting for that, because once the Pac-12 and the ACC opened the open the TV deal, that there would be no grant of rights and they could snatch them for free. Right. That right.
1: I remember you saying that.
0: So so don't count me out on that. But I would say I gotta pick something else since you picked that. I'm not gonna pick the same thing. So <laughs> of the power alleged whatever of the autonomy group you said colorado and arizona
1: yeah i think dion wants out of there man i think dion wants to get in the in the money
0: getting a big twelve. so yeah. big 12 was the first to have a network weren't they the longhorns were the first to have any they had their own network and then i want to say the big 12 hit it was either the big 12 or the sec so i
1: remember conference usa having its own network that showed games based on the replay cameras
0: oh that's awesome
1: (laughs) yeah it was grainy television
0: (laughs) so i would say okay so i gotta pick one Mm. so i would say it would be easy for me to say the pack you said the pack so i'll pick i'll pick something else the next school to announce conference realignment will be Clemson and Florida state joining the sec. Ooh, dang,
1: joining the sec.
0: Either have a bonus one for you though. How about this either happening before. Okay. Not before either happening. Like, like we go to the ACC kickoff and it happening after like, Hey, we're in the ACC, mm-hmm. but we're so, I just feel like something big is going to happen around the kickoff. If it happens, it's going to suck. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying right now, Clemson and Florida State, I've I've said that. I don't want it to happen because it's going to kill the yeah. ACC. But if you want me to tell you what I'm thinking, and I'm not going to pick the Pac-12 because you did, yeah. Clemson and Florida State announced that they're joining the SEC. I can see it. I can
1: see it. I have a bonus question for you. Yes, sir. Since you are, what are you like, two hours out of Albany up there?
0: uh yeah, about two hours.
1: How much are you hearing about Antonio Brown and the Albany Empire right now up there? Nothing. (laughs) Are you sure zero?
0: I listen. Antonio Brown isn't he not paying his players right now? Didn't he? Okay, did, so you're hearing a little bit about it. There. Is that, I looked, up, I I saw some stuff within the past couple weeks that like there's a league and he's not paying anybody, and there's like these issues, and they don't want to. I anything Antonio Brown? I'm like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. They're on the
1: third head coach. They're on the third head coach.
0: Why? Why in my state? Why is my state making so many mistakes? New York has made so many mistakes. It started with plastic bags, oh, yeah. and now it's Antonio Brown.
1: And <laughs> yeah. Saturday night, he's suiting up. He's playing.
0: And I will not be there. (laughs) (laughs) He's playing arena football on Saturday night. Antonio, listen, I just, I want him to get some help. I want him to get some mental health help because there's just a lot of things going on that make me concerned for him and just everything. I mean, the stuff with Tom Brady and Tom Brady's wife. And I mean, it's just, there's just, it's just, It's like it's like a little kid crying for help and you know, I feel like we just need to help anybody who dyes their mustache blonde should be in an institution talking about a remedy to the problem. Okay. Tell me if I'm wrong. Have you ever met are you friends with anybody that dyes their mustache blonde? No. No because My none of because none of us are friends with serial killers okay no and i'm not saying antonio no, brown's just... a, a serial killer i just think all jokes aside i in the past 2 or 3 years i'm at a point right now where like i'm concerned about antonio brown taking care of himself to the point like i was at one point within the past year where i thought antonio brown was going to show up like not alive like, it's just his body. They're going to say he passed away. Like, I just, I, I don't know what mentally is not there. I don't know if it's CTE. I don't know if it's his personality. I don't know if it's something that happened to him in his life, but when, when there's all this stuff that keeps following him, I just, I I would love it if he just took care of himself and and, and unfortunately, a lot of these players that make a ton of money don't have the right people around them.
1: Yeah. I think that's a lot of the problem in the National Arena League, too, is they just don't have PR people.
0: Yeah. Well, that and they having don't. friends and family that say like, hey, dude, like you can't. And why a team is still playing on their third head coach in the same season and not paying people like that's it's insane. I don't understand. They, uh, I don't get it. The
1: players that he cut, they most of them ended up in Orlando. So if you come with me Saturday night, you'll see a bunch of players that are from Albany.
0: Well, that's good. That'd be nice.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not – I just want Antonio Brown to get some help. So please do that, sure. Antonio. Figure things out, man. You know, we joke around. We have fun in life. But when push comes to shove, if you need help, don't be ashamed to ask for it. So sure. – With that being said, Jason Lucas, myself, Dan Tortora, this has been me being on the air for many hours this morning. And I appreciate you, Jay, as always. And hopefully I'm going to see you in the next few days.
1: Yes, sir. Come on down.
0: All right, man. I'll talk to you soon.
1: All right, bro. Take it easy.
0: Take care. Bye. That coming from Jason Lucas here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets that thing called life. We're going to take our final step aside of the broadcast. We'll be back right after this. In these unique times, there are those in our community that give us a sense of normalcy and positivity. Pizza Man on 50 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville has been here for you for over 35 years and is here now. Call 315-638-1234 or order online at pizzamanbeville.com to bring those familiar tastes into your home. And remember to come see our monthly on-site broadcasts centered around the community and our Baldwinsville Beats. Pizza Man in Baldwinsville. Any way you slice it, they are always here for you.
2: I'm in a Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look to low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if they don't shop at Honda City. Our corporate purpose at Chick-fil-A is to glorify God by being faithful stewards of all that's entrusted to us and to positively influence all those who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. And what became increasingly clear from our success at Cicero is that people love Chick-fil-A. And also I think we recognize that you know we had a great opportunity to grow the brand and grow our platform. I felt incredibly grateful when I was you know, selected to be a Chick-fil-A operator. I think what it's meant for me what I've come to realize on a very deep level is that this is a calling for me. It's not a career. It's not a job. The Lord called me to be a Chick-fil-A operator and to use these restaurants to glorify Him and to possibly influence other people. I'm blessed. I'm very blessed.
0: Head to Chick-fil-A Clay on 3974 State Route 31 in Liverpool, New York. Avicoleys, located on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, has been your trusted neighbor for decades. Located just steps from Liverpool High School, we're happy to have the Liverpool Warriors on-site, on-location broadcast at Avicoleys through Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora every single month, featuring student-athletes, coaches, and administration throughout the year from Liverpool High School. Head out to Avicoli's today on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road in Liverpool, New York, open Tuesday through sunday for lunch dinner and drinks we'd love to see you out there and of course you can call them at 315-622-5100 for takeout delivery and catering that's 315-622-5100 and also find them on myAvicolis.com. that's my dot scom Having peace of mind when you're out of town that your furry loving friend is safe and sound means taking them to canine campground because we all know that when it comes to the love of our pets, it goes well beyond the call of duty to make sure they're safe and sound. Right, Lily? (laughs) So take a ride to 242 Johnson Street in East Syracuse, New York and see canine campground and where your dog will be staying in the classic cabin, the executive cabin the Grand Cabin, or of course, the Luxury Cabin, because if you know Lily, you know she loves luxury. <sighs> now you don't have to wait to the last minute to find a family member or a friend that'll take your dog for a few days. Call K-9 Campground at 315-299-4013. That's 315-299-4013. Their drop-off and pick-up times are Monday through Sunday. Check K-9 Campground.com for more information. That's the letter K, the number nine, and campground spelled with a K.com. K9 Campground.com. When you're
2: going out of town, bring your dog to K9 Campground.
0: PB&J's Lunchbox, the food truck that you love finding all throughout Central and Upstate New York, now has a street-side cafe. So when you're craving their traditional favorites as well as their out-of-box amazing menu items, you can now head to 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York. Located just minutes from the highway, the thruway, Destiny USA, and Onondaga Lake Parkway, PB&J's Lunchbox Street-side Cafe is there for you Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., serving breakfast, lunch, and and dinner all throughout the day get breakfast for dinner dinner for lunch whatever you fancy including their award-winning grilled peanut butter and jelly sandwich find them at 663 Old Liverpool Road in Liverpool New York PB&J's lunchbox where we love to know what's in your lunchbox this is a special message from 317 at montgomery restaurant owner joel carpenter open tuesday through saturday for your dining pleasure on 317 montgomery street in syracuse new york
2: we wanted to be a part of the resurgence of syracuse we saw a lot of money being put into bringing people back downtown and thought that you know we'd like to be a part of that i love putting together a good dish where people see it first, they fall in love with it, and then it tastes just as good as it looks. We want to provide the best food in Syracuse that we possibly can, and we want you to leave here talking to your family, your friends, about what you had to eat first and foremost, but also our service and to walk out feeling like you're part of our family. I work out in the front of the house a lot, and I love walking to every single table asking them how everything is and people looking at me and smiling and saying this is the most amazing short rib i've ever had this is the most amazing filet i've ever had and donna is great sarah's amazing thank you for coming over and talking to us and i'm just being truly happy for the experience that they've gotten
0: 317 at montgomery restaurant Part of the fabric of downtown Syracuse, located on 317 Montgomery Street in Syracuse, New York. Open Tuesday through Saturday for a unique and memorable dining experience. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Happy to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Eastern. Time. I want to thank all my fantastic guests on today's show. This video featured Jason Lucas, but before that, on our prior video that you can watch by going to youtube.com backslash wake dt and facebook.com backslash wake dt. You'll see Leo Routins, TV analyst for TSN and NBA TV Canada and coverage of the Raptors. And you'll also see my videos with they're gonna air as their own specials with Scott Cassidy. LeMoyne Dolphins baseball head coach and student athletes on the LeMoyne baseball team, Brody Keniston, as well as Dewey Roden. So a lot of great stuff here on Wake Up Call today. We appreciate it. Inside of MindPausePopcorn.com. what's popping. You can find us on YouTube.com, Facebook.com, both backslash WakeUpCallDT and on WakeUpCallDT.Podbean.com. So make sure you check us out there Monday through Friday from 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern. Time Once we go live, we jump into the archives, so make sure you don't miss a moment of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You can find us in your archives on Amazon Music, Audible, iHeartRadio, iTunes and Apple Podcasts, MixLR, Player FM, Podbean, Podvine, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube. All you have to do is search Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, or one word, Wake Up Call D So make sure you find us there on any one of your favorite podcasting platform outlets. And of course, a big thanks to our incredible partners. Carvel DeWitt, the Wildcat Sports Pub, Chick-fil-A Cicero and Chick-fil-A Clay, Canine Camp Dog Daycare, PB&J's Lunchbox, Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory, Avacoli's, Canine Campground Dog Boarding, Chick-fil-A Watertown, 317 at Montgomery Street, the name of the restaurant is the name of the location in downtown Syracuse, Great Lakes, Honda City, Pizza Man, and Mother's Cupboard. Mother's Cupboard, the home of my exclusive breakfast sandwich only at 3709 James Street in Syracuse, New York. Go and get the Cuse McMother at Mother's Cupboard seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 1 30 p.m. on 3709 James Street in Syracuse. You can get my spin on the breakfast sandwich. Bacon, egg, and cheese inside of two pieces of French toast. Cut it up and eat it with syrup or pick it up and eat it like a sandwich, and you have made it one of the best selling things at mother's cupboard and on some days you put it on every ticket or every other ticket so head out to mother's cupboard today and support local and go and get that Ques mcmother it is fantastic i love it apparently it's been on message boards people going out and getting it right when you walk into the restaurant you'll see it right up there there's a board showcasing the Ques mcmother with the information on wake up call with dan tortura and how to tune into the show so make sure you get out there and get a sandwich and we look forward to you trying the Kuse McMother over and over again. We're also proud to be the exclusive multimedia marketing partner of your. <laughs> Lemoyne College Dolphins. It spins up every single month on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You can find your dolphins by going to our page on wakeupcalldt.com. We have an official LeMoyne page. You could just go to wakeupcalldt.com and click on LeMoyne and find them there. You can also find them by subscribing to youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Every first and third Wednesday, AD&DT with Athletics Director Bob Beretta, myself, Dan Tortora. Second and fourth Wednesday, the Dolphin Dive, diving into the stories of student athletes, coaches, future Dolphins, and administration under promise and over-deliver the Dolphin Dive We'll have plenty of specials next week as they eye the move to Division One. A lot of great stuff with the Dolphins. You can get more information on LemoyneDolphins.com. And as of today at 5 o'clock, Wednesday, May 24th, you can get the DT Dolphin Signature Sunday exclusively from Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on site on location at Carvel DeWitt. And we'll be doing a special video from there today. And we look forward to seeing you out there. As always, fins up. The Bryan and Stratton College of Bobcats of Syracuse are exclusive multimedia marketing partners with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You can find your Bobcats on Wake Up Call every single month with student athletes, coaches, and administration. We just did an unprecedented and amazing broadcast with new campus director, Mary Hawkins, as well as the head coach of every single team on campus, Nick Dmitrievsky, the athletic director and men's soccer head coach. Alex Grigorita, the assistant athletic director and women's soccer coach, as well as Clay Gagan Sherman, the men's basketball head coach, Tay Baker, the women's basketball head coach, Sean Peake coming off his inaugural season as the baseball head coach, and Brian Yurton, the esports head coach. So a lot of great stuff there. Don't miss that video. You can find all of our content on the Bobcats by going to the BSC Syracuse tab on wakeupcalldt.com, and you can get all the Bobcat buzz instantaneously, including that special with all of the leaders from the school that I was just talking about. You can find all of that by going to our YouTube channel and subscribing to youtube.com backslash wakeupcalldt, so make sure you do that. More information, go to syracuse.bscbobcats.com, and as always, go Bobcats. With that being said, here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of MonpausePopcorn.com's what's poppin'. I want to thank the incredible guest list that we had today, the eclectic group that we had here as Lemoyne Baseball gets ready for their super regional and an opportunity at the College World Series as the only Lemoyne team left in the spring. All eyes are on Lemoyne baseball. They should have been from the beginning and they continue to be. We support all the programs at Lemoyne, and I'm extremely proud of every single one of the programs on campus on the Heights. And I'm so happy to see baseball moving forward here. And a big thanks to Brody Keniston and Dewey Roden to head coach Scott Cassidy. And those dolphin dive specials are going to be available right after the broadcast on YouTube to be watched ind- individually as their own special spotlights. So you could get those right after the show on youtube.com backslash wakeupcallDT. Big shout out to Leo Routon's TV analyst for NBA TV Canada, and TSN for the Toronto Raptors. Big thanks for him for all, all of his expertise, his friendship, and his my connection to him is so special in so many different ways. And I love that we get to talk Raptors with a guy I respect so much. So can't say enough about you, Leo. Thanks for the love and thanks for the support. And Jason Lucas, one of my brothers, somebody I consider family. His daughters are my nieces. His son up in heaven is my nephew. Shout out to Carter. In Heaven, shout-out to Carly and Gracie here on Earth. Big shout-out to Jason for all the work that he's done, and definitely go see our special that we just aired here about college, athletics, football, realignment, the AAC, the ACC, every every one of the FBS conferences, right? We talked about the MAC, the Sun Belt. We spoke about Conference USA as well as the AAC, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Pac-12. The SEC, did I say the Big Ten? If not, I'm saying the Big Ten. Again, you know, we spoke about and the Mountain West. So you are going to get a full taste of collegiate athletics and realignment from Jason and I by going and listening to that and watching it again. So make sure you do that. Much love to all my guests. I appreciate you all. Have a great day. Be safe. Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, and Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. I will see you at Carvel DeWitt if you want to come out tonight. Wednesday, May 24th at 5 o'clock, we will officially put this board in Carvel. So it's going to leave my studio, and it's going to be hung up daily at Carvel DeWitt, only Carvel DeWitt, the longest standing Carvel franchise in America, and my longest partner that I've ever had in business here. So this will be on site, on location, at Carvel, the DT Dolphin, this beautiful Sunday. And it is mint chocolate chip, so the green for the Lemoyne Dolphins. So you have mint chocolate chip ice cream, hot fudge, whipped cream, cherry, green and gold sprinkles. And for the first time ever, I believe, arguably at any Carvel, because they don't have this mold, they had to go find it. A chocolate dolphin jumping out of your sundae every time you get it. And so make sure you head out to Carvel DeWitt today for the unveiling of the DT Dolphin. I'll be there with my family and athletics director, Bob Beretta. We can't wait to see you today, Wednesday, May 24th at five o'clock, as we unveil the DT Dolphin. And as of five o'clock today, when this poster goes up at Carvel, my Sunday will be available every day after that. And you can order the DT Dolphin. So make sure you go out and get it. Much love, support, respect. Appreciate y'all. Have a beautiful day. God bless. No stress. Do your best. Talk soon.